What's that? Did you not have breakfast? No, I didn't, Sarah, because you said you were going to make breakfast. Oh. Well. It's, I mean, it's fine. I'm not, like, starving. And plus the coffee curves my appetite. appetite. Is it curves or curbs? Curves. Dave, we had this talk before. Is it curve or curb your appetite? Oh. We had this talk years ago. I just can't remember. Curb. No, are you actually hungry? But I think it should be curve. Curve your appetite? Well, oh, does curbing just, it, like like if you were to park something, that means you're yeah, leaving it there? Stop, like, if you curb oh, it, you're stop. just delaying it. But I thought that curving would be, like, great. Isn't it great on a curve? Mm-hmm. Which means you subsidize, supplement? Yeah, you're just adjusting your appetite. Curb it is like, but both I want to end my appetite. <laughs> I want to end my hunger. That's, you, maybe, you, maybe you curb hunger and curve appetite. <laughs> I think both make sense in, in a way, depending yeah. on the situation. Curve your appetite. Sure. I can see that. Because while I, while I love coffee, it also jacks my stomach up. You know, I can't drink too much. How many cups of coffee would be too many for me to have had this morning? At, as of this point? As of this point, it's 11.33 would be too many. All right, this is number four. What? Whoa. It just happens, man. Dude, you're an addict. Look, I wake up at hey, 5. Hey, don't, wouldn't you say I start at 5.30, okay? Oh, that's early, yeah. So at 5.30, I wake up, and part of my morning routine is I, I put together the French press, right? And that's two cups of coffee in there. But isn't it true that, like, you could still, everything that you've done up to this point, you still could have done without coffee. It's not like, it's not like it's... I'm not drinking It's not like you don't have insulin like and, like, your body sense. can't function. Yeah. Now, I'm drinking out of pure desire to hold a hot cup and drink something hot. So, the coffee cup is part of the experience. Would you say... Especially minus, on a cold day like that. Minus the experience, though, would you say that your body has a chemical dependency on the now, caffeine or whatever else that the coffee is giving you, wouldn't you I, say? I will neither confirm nor deny... The extreme headache I might get if I don't have any caffeine in a day. Okay, so I, there is denial. Check. I, I will not. Dave, I think that this is the beginning stages of... There's one time I had to cancel a Addiction. I had to cancel a meeting because I got sick. Like, like stomach sick from a migraine because of... Ca- this was years ago. This was years. This is not any time recent. But because of no caffeine... I got such a bad headache, I think it turned into a migraine, and I got physically sick because it was so bad. And I had to call people and be like, I can't show up tonight, I'm sick. Isn't that really bad? That's, that's irresponsible. That's it, man. That's it's really irresponsible. Your body, you were, you were going through withdrawals. Withdraw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, you're addicted. Yeah, that's bad. Now, today, I don't know what would happen if I... If I didn't have a cup of coffee, I kind of don't want any caffeine. I kind of don't want to finish this coffee. I've, I'm afraid. No, it's I'm afraid of you're not going to get addicted to coffee after one day of having two cups. See, I, this is this is taking years to to get to. Yeah, I know it's a okay. I, I don't even see it as a problem let me because ask you this. I can handle it. <laughs> you can stop at any time. I could. I could. It would coffee withdrawal, caffeine withdrawal. What does it take like? Two, three days to get through. So if I needed to, you just endure the two. 
But what's the point? It's it's nice to have a nice hot cup of coffee and. Dave, therein lies the problem, though. Yeah. I mean, if you need to, like, when do you get to that point where you need to shake it? I couldn't imagine a circumstance where I would need to not drink coffee. It just doesn't. The scenario doesn't exist. <laughs> so, here I am enjoying a cup of coffee. Fully functioning, like. I'm not high functioning. I'm not saying I don't want you to enjoy coffee. I'm just, I'm just. We might have to plan an intervention at some point. Mm. You guys get work. Maybe on it that. doesn't happen tomorrow. Or maybe it doesn't happen next year. But sometime, <laughs> at some point. At some point, right? <laughs> <laughs> I really like the fire sounds. We are here on the bay at our friend Sarittle's house. Sarittle's is, is our friend. Hi, Sarah. Hi. What's up? Sarah is our first guest. I, yeah, I want Sarah to talk about how she knows us. Because we could tell everybody how we know her, but I'd be much more interested in hearing your side of the story. I know you guys because I interned with you. How many years ago was that? Like two? Uh, it was, no, 2003. that was three years ago. Wow, it was a really long time ago. But... Mm-hmm. During that time, we all became best friends yeah. and went to Mexico together. Traveled to... internationally. Yeah. yeah. Took the show on the road. Yeah. Um, and... I love Mexico. Sarah was so dehydrated that week. <laughs> <laughs> I would look at Sarah in the middle of the day. And like, granted, we were all like Wait, dirty what? with dirt and concrete this. and yeah. cement. But I'd look over at Sarah and she'd be dirty. Her lips would be all chapped. I don't remember <laughs> Her hair would be like just matted to her face. Wow, she's just so terrible. I don't remember any of it. She's literally trying to survive the day. <laughs> you guys make it She'd be so all bad. lethargic and like. Sarah. That's because manual labor is not my forte. I we can't. were we were doing some serious manual I, labor. I don't do she just manual have sunscreen labor. Sunscreen cake to her face. I don't. Have. Sunscreen sweat I was trying to and hate. The best of it. Just, uh, but then I, I have developed a dehydration issue where I do drink a lot of water. Like, I get, like, anxious, like anxiety if I don't have water with me at all times. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's actually good because I that... get the same sort of anxiety if I don't have coffee with me. <laughs> <laughs> right. would, would you, would you say that Mexico was the catalyst? Did it, did well, it, did I don't remember there? this dehydration scenario, but I think you were dehydrated. Yeah. So maybe, okay, mm-hmm. since was, you were dehydrated, it affects your brain. Was I vocally? So I don't remember. Was I vocally dehydrated? Like, would I say? I think, I, no, I, I just no. think you would you'd kind of retreat to, like, recharge. Quit expending energy so that you can conserve what you have. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye, Mom. Uh, Rex, do you need a stamp for this thing? This Bye. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that me- so you came on that Mexi- Mexico trip as our videographer. You put a very put together a very beautiful video. Too. Yeah, it was really cool. Can you put I'll the post video that on, on the uh, yeah put that in the show notes. Heck yeah, I'll post it on the website. That'd be really cool. DanteShepherd.com. You, can... you go to the podcast page and you'll see Cerrito's video. You should check out her video. You did a great job on that. Thanks. I remember it being more than, like, I feel like sometimes we come away from trips like that and our video is uh, is a good account of what happened, but I felt like yours told a story. I yeah, really most cool. of the time it's highlight, highlighty, and Sarah told a story. Yeah. So. Which is the, which is the purpose, right? Right. That's what yeah. you want to do. So. Yeah. That was, a, that, was mm-hmm. a, that was a really powerful trip. Really good group of people. 
That's what makes those trips so cool. Every people, year, yeah. the different, like so the different team we take, the different people that we meet. Like the, we might do the same thing: mm. manual labor, <laughs> children's programs, uh, go to a rehab center or a um, a church to do a program that's creative and has a message. But the people that we take and the people that we meet so completely changes. Different. Trip it completely changes the trip. Yeah. So. See you guys. See ya. See ya. Different trip every time. Yeah. So, Cerritos, what else can you say about... I after, let's, let's say after Mexico now, and you've been off on your own, your interaction with Dave and I has changed, yeah. inevitably. You've moved on to bigger... Bet, well, you could say better. Maybe not better. I mean, maybe, maybe even not big... No, you've moved on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. That they never leave. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. What, what do you mean? Like. So what have you been up what? to since since the end of the internship? Since you're you're a videography so intern. A brief uh, recap of the past three years. Yes, that's. Is that what we're? Going it doesn't for? even have to be brief. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it could be whatever just, you want it to be. Yeah. What have you been up to? Yeah. So I went. I stopped the internship. <laughs> I graduated from high school. And uh, I moved to Chicago, and I start. I began a degree of documentary film, and I was simultaneously modeling. So I would kind of spend my time between New York and Chicago. Um, and I was in Fashion Week uh, for two years. New York Fashion Week. New York Fashion Week. Not just week. any Fashion Week. You got a special. You got a special. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't Cleveland Fashion Week. Because <laughs> Dave and I have done Fashion Week too, but it wasn't. You guys have done Fashion Week? Yeah. The Bridgeway Fashion Week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was not Chicago Fashion Week. It was New York Fashion Week. And uh, that was really, that was an experience. And uh, so two years, fast forward. Um, I mean, I, I traveled internationally throughout those two years as well. We went to Asia um, the first summer after freshman year. And we traveled, I traveled around with a documentary filmmaker and um, into Thailand and Cambodia and China. Uh, and... Then spent the next year in Chicago, between Chicago and New York, and then uh, I'm. Was that was that this past year? That was this past year. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I get I get jumbled. Um, and yeah, and now and then I moved to New York from Chicago because um, I was finished with school. Well, no, I'm not finished with school, but I was fin- I I took a year off from school, and uh, I moved to New York for a bit, and then I moved to London for a bit, which is where I've been the past few months. And um, I'm writing a book right now, so. I feel like you're a collector of experiences. Like, you've had so many different types of experiences that most people never get to have. <laughs> and you, like, like, move from one to the next to the next and just have seen things and met people and uh, been to places that most of us normals never get to see. <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I think experiences, I mean, moments and experiences, I think, are make up a life. Moments are, like, it, a happy life is just a string of happy moments, if that yeah, makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. What do you, what would you feel like, and you may be answering this off the top of your head, but do you recall a moment that was, like, a defining moment for your life? Yeah, I think uh, it might not have been a happy moment, but it was a formative moment, and it was pa- this past year in Chicago when I was um, kind of in a really dark place due to the industry that I was in, the modeling industry. 
uh, which I still am in, in a way, not to the extent that I was at one point, but my dad came to visit me in Chicago and I was like kind of at my breaking point and it was very visible and he was like, what are you doing, Sarah? Like, this isn't the path God wants you on and it's just got bigger things for your life uh, that you don't even realize. Just like all of us, we don't even realize and comprehend the vastness of God's um, will for our lives. So uh, it was in that moment that I kind of redirected my path um, and I decided to take a, a year off school and write this book, which I'm co-authoring with six young women refugees around the world. So, yeah. It's cool. It's a conversation with dad. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was definitely my dad who um, shifted my, my path a little bit and shifted, he, he calls it shifting the gaze because huh. my gaze was kind of up here, but have the gaze a little bit lower. It's kind of when you look, like I like to say, like when you look directly in the sun for too long, it can blind you. But if you look a little bit like to the left or right or below the sun, like you can still see the sun and it's beautiful, but you're not going to get blinded. That makes sense. Yeah, that's really cool. Just think about being a dad. You know, Dante yeah, you and I have little girls. We have little girls, and like right now, we're we're like heroes to our girls because <laughs> we're dad. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point that relationship yeah. will change. And like working with young people a lot. I see all sorts of different relationships between dads and daughters, mm-hmm. all sorts of different relationships. And I wonder what mine's going to be like mm-hmm. with her. So hearing you, you know, at, were you were 20 when it happened? Or tw- 19? No, I was right? 20. 20, yeah. having a life-defining moment with dad. That's, yeah. like, My that, dad means, like that just means something to me, even though I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. right. and it's funny because I think I've been thinking about this recently it's just how when we're kids like our parents are kind of super, these superhumans, uh, and they're invincible and as you grow up and you mature um, you realize gradually that they aren't superheroes they're just normal people and I've been seeing that recently with my own parents uh, I mean I just turned 21 so I'm not like I, I still have like a kid in me but I'm also emerging into adulthood and so but I'm seeing their vulnerabilities surface more um gradually so it's it's interesting that yeah I feel like I feel like that's such a special thing that you shared too um as a dad like I think that in spite of everything else that is going on that involves me and that doesn't involve me you know, like everything in the world that's going on that doesn't involve me, and then everything that does involve me, like my, you know, my work, my job, all of my relationships, everything, mm-hmm. uh, to have that kind of encounter with my daughter someday, as you just described, is literally, would literally be the only thing that matters, to, <laughs> you know, to, to have that. Um, or like last night, um, my my wife and I were, were playing with, with Lily, our daughter, and having her run back and forth in the room between her and me. And she was running to my wife, giving her a kiss, and then running to me and giving me a kiss. Mm. And then running back. We did, <laughs> we did this for a couple of moments. 
And uh, that is the only thing that matters to me. You know, like at the end of the day, like that interaction is it, you know. That's cool. And it makes me think about what you said about happiness, right? It's like string of happy moments, but it's even strings of like really hard or difficult moments, mm-hmm. but it, then you have a point where you say, oh, it was worth it. It was, yeah. So you can get through a ton of like dark and rough and really difficult personal times mm-hmm. and circumstances and you get to a point where there's like a redemption of it where you're like oh okay it was worth it right even though there are tons of terrible moments in throughout the whole thing but then like the turn the turn yeah yeah so maybe that's might not be a happy life at that point but it's the worth it life and it's, I think it's really how you perceive those really tough moments and those hard times that, and not like ruminating over them, but just let, like letting them kind of shape or redirect or shift your, your next path, you know, and the next season of your life. Yeah. yeah. One thing we've said before is a unprocessed life, uh, is a life that's wasted, you know, unprocessed right. moments who, are, yeah are wasted moments. So as long as you're processing it and it's affecting your next step, like you can gain value from that. But if it's unprocessed, if you don't think about it and mm. and filter it through, you know, wisdom and other people and um, and even through your own spiritual life, if you don't filter it through that, then a dark moment or a hard moment, you, it's it's just wasted right. you know, when there could be something really valuable. In it. Right, exactly. Who's that philosopher who said like an unexamined life is not worth living? Oh, nice. I love it. Uh, some, some, <laughs> some famous person said that. Right. Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love those Instagram posts where it's like a really creative, like serene yeah. nature background and it has a quote over top of it? I, c- I can't. And then like the, the, the name at the bottom it's is... Britney Spears. Yeah. <laughs> Like the, right. From the great theologian Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> <laughs> although he is who would be the worst person to have like at the you know quoted? It's like um, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> You're like, I got my life experience from him. <laughs> the great theologian Kanye. Yeah. Um, what's the premise of your book that you are that you're writing? Um, so it you said you're, you're you're partnering with. Six. Yeah, so six group. young women refugees are going to be co-authoring it, um, which basically means that we're going to be in conversation, uh, me and six six girls from different parts of the world, different circumstances, different um, nationalities and conflicts. And uh, I was I spent a month recently in Jordan in Zatari refugee camp, home to like eighty thousand ref- Syrian refugees. Goodness gracious! Uh, yeah, and it's actually the third largest city in Jordan, just the camp itself. Oh, okay. Wow. And, which, and it's, you know, the time span that it's gotten, like, it, it's only, it's not that old. I don't even know. Only a couple of years or so. Hmm. And um, It's not even a couple of years, right? And it's so, crazy. like, the population, or it was created and populated. Yeah, it was just So quick, and it's already bigger than yeah. most yeah, yeah, and so Jeez. there's so many, it's like a real city. Um, and so I got to spend um, about three weeks in the camp 
which is like it's such a high profile camp that really the process to even be let in is so involved and it takes months for people to even get the permissions to be let in and so like the NGO that I was working with in Jordan like they expedited that process because of the book and so they were so wonderful and they just like kind of let me go in like um and over that time I got to like meet with a lot of young women and uh hear their stories and we identified one of the six girls there so awesome yeah so how are you going to keep in touch with um we've already been letter writing emails (laughs) or like how does that is it it's how do you I think letter writing would probably take a bit of a bit of time yeah. to like reach, uh, but no emails. We set her up an email account, and mm. she has very limited access to Wi-Fi, but enough to, um, you know, once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. So that's really neat. Yeah. So yeah. I guess you're in the process of just getting to know her now, huh? Beginning to hear her story. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So how do you think you'll find the other five? Like. Um. Yeah, so What's the process yeah, of finding other girls to, to get in touch with? I think with the, with the local NGOs in each, either in the country itself or NGOs who have people on the ground in those countries right now. Uh, obviously with crises that are more like uh, relevant right now, like the Rohingya crisis or the Libyan crisis, like those are things that are happening like right now and it, they're very uh, like they're just kind of emerging mm-hmm. or they ha- they're not just emerging, but they're just, they're, they're newer than like the Syrian. Yeah. I, don't mean, yeah, I've, I haven't heard of, you said Ro- Rohingya. Rohingya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know anything. So about, yeah. Like, so refugees yeah, completely are off the radar. like migrating from, they're being forced out of Myanmar to Bangladesh and like huge amounts of them. And just like, and it's very like the camps. Um, there's a huge camp in Bangladesh. I forget the name of it, but there's people like women and girls being raped and just, it's just a mess. Like it's an absolute mess. And so, and it's, it's so different than like Zatri, uh, I think the camp that I was in, uh, what's going on there is a lot different because hmm. it's just the, there's not as much, there's so many people in, in such a short amount of time that there's not enough, uh, what's the word? Like support, support and like, um, it's hard to have like a reliable infrastructure as mm-hmm. well, right? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Man. Representation and like mm-hmm. people looking out for the people that could be abused and taken advantage yeah. of and lost in the mix sort and the legal system. And the cultures are different too. Like it's not a um an like Islamic culture like the Syrian like campus. It's different completely. Mm-hmm. So it's well, that's cool that you're going to get to help those young ladies tell their stories. Yeah, I can't wait to to read it. Mm-hmm. And it's really also not cool. just like, because a lot of people kind of confuse it with like me telling stories. And that's what they're like, you're so excited to like hear their stories. But it's like really building a friendship, you know? Mm-hmm. Like also them being curious about a Western girl living in the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, huh. it's not just me writing their stories necessarily. But because there are a lot of books, I feel like, that are, that tell are kind of biographical almost that tell like a young refugee story. Mm-hmm. But this is like a friendship almost. Awesome. That's great. Hey Dave, we, uh, we, we might need to get some more logs on that fire. Though. Oh, true. Wasn't sure if you uh, were getting... We yeah, can't let it die down. down. No. I got it. Okay. This would be a good audio segment. Yeah. This is called... 
fire time on a Friday. I'm actually like low key really scared of fire. So. Wait, wait, wait. Dave you're, should do it. Look, I can tell this is going to go bad. Right. He's going to toss that lock. No. Oh, see. Wait, what's wrong with that? You got to place it just really right, good. Sarah. That was, yeah, no, that was, that was good. good. I mean, that that one was good, but your technique, it leaves a lot of margin for error. Hold on. Technique is error. That's not going to work. You're just going to toss it. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's that was pretty good too. <laughs> Those are. You gotta I have think, some faith think, in me, Dante. I think we need a cross log, right? We need one oh, to okay, you're right, you're right. Oh, perpendicular. Oh. Those two. I'm really impressed with the placement. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, you can't toss this one. You gotta. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get in there. Dante, have some faith. Come on. Oh, yeah. that was not. That, that's fine. Whatever. That's okay. That's hey, two out of three isn't bad. Two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be raging soon. <laughs> you guys are gonna start sweating. Yeah, we are. Man. So, do you got? I mean, I don't know if I'm trying to ask people. Do you have any insight on uh, anything in regards to aviation? I. Yes. Like, I think I want to be a pilot. So I just need to yeah. know. I need to I know now how much that. how much time to carve out. Yeah. Where so, I can know if it's feasible or not. <laughs> My. Father-in-law is a flight instructor. Yeah, this is, you're the man I need to talk to. He's a flight instructor. Yeah, this is not a prearranged conversation. Uh, yeah, my father-in-law teaches people how to fly. He grew really? up on the airstrip with his dad, and his dad was wow. like they had their own plane growing up, and what? Uh, like he used to tell stories about how his dad would stand in front of their prop plane. And he would stop the prop mm. with his hand, like he would just reach in and grab. Oh my gosh! The, the propeller. Uh huh. With his hand, so he that's it. That's the world. There's he grew nothing up in. manlier. And than so that. I, right. The so only thing manlier than that flying yeah. would be chopping a tree down. Yeah. And then starting a fire with that wood, mm. and then killing a deer with your bare hands oh <laughs> and then breaking it down and cooking right. over that open flame. Yeah. That's the only thing manlier than that. Well, okay, so they yeah. keep going. What? So so he he can teach you how to fly. So he has, as long as I've known him, as far as Where I know, even before that, uh, has a handful of students that he uh, always oh, helps people. Student. Where is this? Right across the street here at the Bay Bridge um, Airport and hey. down at Freeway. Uh, which is down in Bowie Ooh. area. One of my best friends from high school is a pilot. Ooh. Hey, what uh, is he? You so remember Vershawn? Yes, of course. Do you remember Vershawn? Remember was Vershawn? he on, on our trip? Was he on that trip? No. I'm so bad. You guys yeah. know I'm so bad with names. Well, he's he's completed his private. Uh, I was just talking to Vershawn last week, week, and I didn't. Remember. That's cool. The name sounds really familiar, but. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, let's, well, talk, know, about, let's talk about numbers. Let's talk about numbers. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh -huh. It's expensive. No, 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 not okay, financial. Not yet. I'm not there yet, but oh. different time-wise. Like, yeah. well, how yeah, much also, also, you have to learn, you have to go to school to get certified or to get your license? You know my dad is a pilot, so you can ask him these questions as well. He's a, he's a pilot? Yeah. How about these, these people? Do most people know this many pilots that we can just <laughs> say, oh, this person's a pilot, this person's a pilot? No, I didn't know I knew this many people. Yeah. So, uh, so you do ground school, which is just book learning, right? Okay. But then you need hours in the air with a flight instructor. How many? That's a great question, and I don't know the answer to that question. How long is ground school? I think you com can complete that in a easy, probably two months. Like full time? No. Like Saturday, mm -hmm. all day Saturday yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so you okay. You get through. We're okay, the, we're okay so far. Yeah. 
get through driver's ed. Uh-huh. I mean, ground school, same thing. And then, and then you do your, you start doing your hours. hours and you're in the air with the instructor. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have solo hours too, where okay. you're in the plane alone. Mm. Yeah. And then once you finish your solo, that's out, dumb. Hours, though. Isn't that just the same as you? Shouldn't they just license you at that a point then? Great question. It's like, oh well, you died, so you can't get your license, <laughs> right? That's that would prohibit somebody from getting their license. Anyway, so you that's go dumb. through the solo hours, and right. then and then you do some final test. Maybe you have to do a loop de loop or something. And then if you can do that, then you get your license. Let's have Rashawn on next week. That'd be awesome. This will this will fuel my passion. Cool. If we get a real life real student life. that just kind of went through this, yeah, it'll uh, it'll allow me to gauge. What's 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 inspired this new love of flying? Because I don't think I've ever heard heard this from you before. Well, okay, so you have heard my dream of being an astronaut, astronaut, outer space. Right, I have heard that. Yeah, uh, which we haven't talked about on the podcast. We'll get into that another day. Yeah. But I did some homework, and that's not realistic for me at this point. I'm too old and dumb. Well, <laughs> so. at, at least as as space flight exists today, you never know. You you got a good forty years left of life, fifty years left of life. I I hope maybe fifty. <laughs> I hope. Well, I hope a quality ten at least. <laughs> ten quality <laughs> by quality. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like quality over quantity. And I can expect the You're, the last. You know tend to be miserable but fair enough like but quality, you, got, yeah. you got a number of years left where like space my good years, flight my good is going to dramatically change over if, the next if, 30 if Elon years Musk gets his way you know what I'm dramatically saying? change i've already so had this kind i don't of, think you should give up your hope of going into nah, outer space you just gotta get this, rich i've already had this talk with my wife you i was gotta like get rich i was like hey me, like men like like all things in our marriage it's a it's 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 a partnership yeah. And we make decisions together. Yeah. But I told her, if I ever, for some reason, <laughs> for some inexplicable reason, get an opportunity to go to space, yeah. I'm going to do it. You're gonna... It's the answer is yes. My dad said the same thing. Like, I just want to let you know. But what if, she, what if she's nervous about it, though? I'll, I'll be nervous, Dante too, Dave. doesn't... <laughs> What what if she? This is, this is a non-negotiable for me, man. Look, what if she? Even if, what even if she if, has plans for you guys that week? I know, I know. Then that week. Then I can't. Or the rest of your life. <laughs> then I can't. You know, <laughs> right? But like, even if it's like an, even if it's like a, uh, you know, Bruce Willis Armageddon thing, where I need to go out and Look. detonate some bombs up on an asteroid <laughs> heading to Earth, I'm doing Listen. that too. I'm be I wonder, a freaking martyr. I man. wonder how many actual astronauts play that Aerosmith song. <laughs> When they're like getting on the getting on the yo going to outer space is so dangerous. No, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, not many not many people have died so recently in that. So dangerous. There, yeah, you know, come on, more things don't go wrong though. It was like ten years ago that the that the space shuttle uh, disintegrated upon reentry, right? It, wait, wait, wait. It was like ten it years ago. It disintegrated, like it just dissolved. Yeah. I didn't hear about there this. There was like a heat shield problem, and as it, it was re-entering, it just, it oh just broke apart and just... That's crazy. I'm, they, they recovered pieces of it, but a lot of it was just incinerated in the, the re-entry process. So anyway, that's how this... I hear it's really hard to get back in yeah. through, our, and through our atmosphere. There's all sorts of calculations you got to yeah. make to counteract all the like rotation You're moving so happening. fast. Yeah. Maybe. There's this, uh, yeah, I mean, but anyway, that, that, sure. that kind of, so then I went kind of to the next level, of, uh, you know, being a pilot. And I think that uh, I'd like to be a commercial pilot. I think I'd like to have, you know, 
I'd like to be at the helm of, of cargoing people, you know, as they're on their way to whatever destination. Well, John Travolta, you know, he he has his pilot's license and flies his own private jet. That's right. Like, mm. So you don't have to sa- all all that to say you don't have to sacrifice your other goals in life in order to become a commercial pilot. You know, maybe my, you could do both. Mm-hmm. My dad, when he was in high school, he used to pick up girls on for dates like in his plane he would like fly and like land there's at their no, house of course he does. there's nothing more boss right. and no. like i can't believe their parents actually let them go honestly that's what like, but i, I would yeah i mean i what don't do think he just he just fly the plane he had like, a really small the, plane yeah like a into the neighborhood no in on literally onto their the, into their backyard get just, the like, cul-de-sac land. action are you serious like could you pick that's could, not possible no no, no could you, you a know, helicopter it, i don't really know what Airplane. kind like a very small miniature airplane, <laughs> but I can't imagine. Could you imagine like a guy picking up your daughter? Like no, that guy would get turned away so fast. <laughs> Who do you think you are? I mean, I would go, but landing like... in my backyard. <laughs> do you know this is fresh sod, dude? I live in a, I live in a I live in a townhouse. First of all, <laughs> right? how you do that? How you physically defy the laws of physics? <laughs> we'll get into that later. But you're not taking my daughter anywhere. <laughs> I Think so. I mean, I would go. That's when that's when our daughters say, "Daddy, you never understood Daddy me. Never can do anything." Right, Sarah, you would not go if you were my daughter. <laughs> Good thing I'm not. Just, I just have to run the risk of you hating me forever. Uh, I'd go anyway. That's so funny. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll delve into this more. Yeah. I think that uh, I just want to know what the realistic expectation is for me yeah. to be a commercial pilot. I think. I'm being, arro- I'm being I'm being arrogant. It would take it takes a lifetime of work. Probably. I know, Dante. Don't give up on the stream. I think I just within be, within I, months. I just want to be in that pilot coat, walking through the airport with my little hat on, and like, we can get you a pilot coat and hat, and you can walk through the airport and without having to go. Looking at me, and the I'm kids are me at the hard stuff. The kids are going, look, mommy, it's the you know, pilot. anybody can. Wait, buy have, the you, coat. have you guys ever? Have you guys ever heard? And of I'll like, take my paper and clutch it under my arm, and I'll say, uh, "Hey, kid." This isn't the 1950s. You're not Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Catch Me If You Can. What are you going to say, Sarah? Or you could walk through the airport like wearing a pilot like outfit and then just act really drunk. And have like, and then like walk and into someone's gate. Like, yeah, yeah. Walk into no, walk into the gate and be like, "This is my plane," and just like <laughs> fucked up. Sorry, I can't say I that. I would love to do that. That would be yeah. so funny because yeah, like yeah. you would just freak people out. I would do that. I think that would be really. You know, I've actually you, never seen I'd a woman. I'd bail you out. A woman That's pilot. What I'm saying. I'd bail you out. Of is that is that illegal? Is it illegal to, to no? But I think it would raise enough red. Stolen blood. valor. Uh, I don't think I've never seen a woman pilot. I've never seen a woman pilot either. My dad thinks that there is a ton. He says that he's seen a lot, but I've never seen one in all my years of. Travel. I don't fly that often. Though, I think it might be my bias that yeah, if I see I've never a woman seen one. I've ever, never. walking into a plane, that I would assume that she's not. Maybe, maybe they're no, all no, over the you, place. It, I'm just they, like they dress differently though, like the flight attendants, the pilots. That's true. And uh, you can usually distinguish, mm. but I've never seen one in all my years of flying. Maybe it's just me though. Every time I see a pilot walking through the terminal, like they're tall too. They're like tall individuals. They just carry themselves in a certain way too. They like, do. They just walk They're tall, man. Pretty boss. Yeah. I love it. Oh, that's cool. Like yeah. I, I, this this plane is my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be a pilot, though. You know, uh, that would be nice. Maybe one day. I'd say don't don't give up on your dream. So I I don't want to turn the conversation too quick, but I wanted to talk about something, and I was mentioning it to Dante, and we realized that we can't have a conversation about this topic just being two guys sitting around talking. Mm. So uh, that was some of the instigation of asking you, Sarah, to, to come and hang out with us this morning. 
And the you can't look at the news and you can't uh, be engaged at all on social media and mm. be unaware of the hashtag Me Too um, initiative. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's not even an issue. It's like a very personal uh, expressing of experiences that women and men have, have been having uh, for a long time. And finally, it's getting some platform. Yeah. And uh, people are, are beginning to be uh, more vocal or maybe we're listening more to the people who have been vocal mm-hmm. um, about sexual assault and se- sexual misconduct, um, whether it's politics or media or um, even in the faith community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's n- literally no area of life that is protected right. from experiences like this. You can just be out living your everyday life, walking down the street, and it happens. Like, mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um, Time Magazine just released uh, their announcement of their person of the year. Isn't that Selena Gomez? No. Wait, it, did I get that wrong? Well, I don't know if she's That's a People part Magazine, of... maybe. No, no I, I'm pretty sure it was Times. Time Magazine, they, they did their person of the year, and it was... The magazine has about five or six different women who were very vocal. Oh, 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 maybe oh, oh I did Maybe some that. of the very first um, like hashtag Me Too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who, who became faces to the movement mm-hmm. because there are tons of faces that, um, that are affected by it. But so they said, this is, this is a monumental enough shift in our culture that the women and men that have stepped forward to vocalize this, like we need to honor that, lift it up and give it even more of a platform mm-hmm. because yeah. it's changing the face of, of our our nation. So, um, first thing is I don't, we don't expect you to speak for all women. Right. Of course not. Like, I feel like, you know, sometimes you get into conversations and you're like, so what do, you know, women feel about this or what do, you know, uh, (laughs) black people feel about this? And you're asking one person, right? And it's like, whoa, I'm just, I'm just one person, right? So in no way is this asking to speak for all women, but Two, I don't. I don't think it would be right if just two dudes were sitting around talking about something that primarily impacts um, the the women in our lives mm-hmm. much more than uh, the men in our lives or or us. So mm-hmm. thanks for be like yeah, saying you're you're willing to to talk. But the thing that caught my attention with you is you posted something a couple weeks ago. I did. I was like your experience of where this um, this uh, issue hits you. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to share that? I didn't even ask you ahead of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you mean the experience itself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um I, so I don't usually post about, like, like, hashtags. Like, you know, a lot of, like, these trending things. I don't usually post on Facebook or social media about it. But this one, and I debated for a long time. I should even post this. And but. I think that's a lot of people's experience, right? Like, yeah. do I want to speak up? Like, do I want to associate? I don't know. It seems like it's be pretty vulnerable and uncomfortable. It's not even but. like that, really, for me. It's just I, I like to remain neutral in these things because although, I mean, I, I'm vocal about how I feel about some things that are more, I feel more important and necessary and relevant. Like, I, 
there are some things that I just don't feel the need to start a controversy over a debate over, you know, like there's just mm-hmm. not a, a reason to do that in my mind. Somebody um, else's conversation. Right. Exactly. Everyone. Yeah. Um, and everyone feels passionate about more about different things, you know? Uh, so the thing I shared a few weeks ago was, uh, I was in DC this summer and I was, uh, waiting for my dad in his hotel lobby. We're going to go get dinner. And I went into, you know how in some hotel lobbies, there's like a restroom, a public restroom. And so there was like a one stall woman's restroom. And so I, I went into it uh, while I was waiting for him. And, uh, there was, uh, probably like a 20, a young twenties, you know, a guy who, uh, was also waiting in the lobby and saw me like go into the restroom, I guess. And I literally was like washing my hands and I hear like a really loud, uh, intense knocking on the door. And I was like, chill. I'm like, I'm I'm coming out, you know? Like, and so, but it was really loud and intense. So I like opened it and, uh, it was the guy standing there and I was really confused because I was like, this is first of all, a woman's one stall restroom. Uh, so I was like, can I help you? Um, and he was like, he like leaned in and like kind of lowered his voice and was like, can I eat your pussy? And I don't know if I can say that, but I, yeah, it's he, real life. Yeah, exactly. And he, and I was, I was so confused and I was like, what? Cause he was literally like right here and I was right here and he was whispering this in my ear practically. And I was like, what, uh, excuse me. And he said again, he's like, can, can I, can I lick your pussy? And I was like. And I, I literally, I didn't have the words, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know, I, no one had ever blatantly, I guess, disrespected me like that before. Uh, and so, uh, he continued cause I didn't say anything. I just was like kind of speechless and he continued and was like, are you staying at this hotel tonight? Um, like, I'm, I'm like, can I like, you're really hot. Can I like, like your pussy? And I was like, uh, and I was just like, no, I'm not staying here. And I like kind of pushed past him and just. Ignore, like ignored it, but because yeah. I and I guess I could have in that moment said something more aggressive, or I could have defended myself in a different way. But I, I, I guess I was so taken aback and so sh- in shock. But I also like, I didn't feel like. I guess I could have been like, you know, you don't have the right to say that. You can't say that, you know, to me. But it didn't feel like the right circumstance. It didn't feel well, in like the moment of it. I can't imagine what you were. Right, I, there was really Feet, nothing like, going through my mind. I was stunned, just like, I know, I was paralyzed. like, I, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. It's almost like a, 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 a question like that posed to you doesn't even register. Right, in, exactly, because you never it's expect so it. You never right. expect it, and so then I went and I like, uh, my dad had come down by then, and he obviously didn't know what was going on, and I so, uh, the guy, I just like pushed past him and went to the. Uh, um, I actually, I, I forget the sequence of events, but I told, I told my dad at some point, just like aside that, you know, what, what had taken place. And, and my dad, of course, like he's very chill about things, but he also like is very powerful in his, in his chillness. Mm-hmm. And so he, he was like, is it that guy? And I was like, yeah. And so when we walked by, he just like gave him like the death glare. He just looked at him and was like, like very fatherly and, um, you know, dominant, <laughs> Uh, and, and then I told the receptionist at the hotel lobby, just after the guy had like left, I was like, you should keep an eye on, on that dude. Cause he, I don't know if he was wrong in the head. I don't know if he was mentally unstable. I don't really know. Um, oh my goodness. 
So and that was another thing. I didn't really know if he was actually mentally ill in some way, so I didn't want to, like, antagonize it or anymore. But And that's, the, like, somebody would have to be mentally ill to think that that's... Okay, okay right. Okay, right? Yeah. There's got to be something wrong in exactly. somebody's brain to ever think that you could walk up to another person and say something yeah. so aggressive, exactly. so, like... Uh, it's verbal And, like, no assault. shame at all. Like, he just, like, aggressively, like, knocking on the bathroom door. He's knocking door. on the bathroom door in right. yeah. himself. Didn't it's... even, like, wait for me to come out. Just, like, had to do it right then. Like, you know, it just, it's so crazy. Like, where, either what's wrong with his head or two, where is he from where that is acceptable? Like, or what happened as a kid that, like, what was his Goodness. upbringing like mm-hmm. that made him think it is okay to treat women like that? Yeah. Hmm. What, for you, what was it like when your dad showed up? I mean, I, I didn't, <laughs> I think, I, kn- I know my dad really well, and I know that he's not going to s- make a scene about it. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was visibly kind of like shaken a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I, and it was on the forefront of my mind, so I told him, and yeah. he, so. Feeling-wise for you, like when he mm-hmm. wasn't there and it was just you and that guy to win the presence of uh-huh. your dad. I wasn't yeah. like, I wasn't afraid. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel at, like uneasy about if this is like in a safe or whatever mm-hmm. situation um, because I can hold my own like in like from exposure, from traveling, from, yeah. you know, but it was just, and there was all, if we were like by ourselves, that might have been a different thing, but we were in a hotel lobby, like in a public yeah, place. Yeah. Um, my, heart, my heart really goes out to, to people, like men and women, and uh, it really mortifies me, the, the idea and the thought of um, someone, um, you know, just being rendered essentially powerless mm. to, to defend themselves. Like that, you know what I mean? Like that's the most terrifying thing to me as I, as I as a, you know, as a, when I hear things like this and I empathize with people thinking about, you know, I mean, every situation is different and thank God yours is, yours was not that drastic Mm -hmm. where you did feel like this, but for many people, they were literally in a position where they were powerless to Mm, defend themselves or powerless to speak out in in a way that would be effective. Or they were like deathly afraid because it was just the two of them. They weren't in a public place. I love what you said. Like I can hold my own. Like I love hearing that from you. There's, there's, uh, that kind of, I don't, I want to say confidence and I want to say power. Um, I like that you recognize that there's strength in you that can combat assault when it happens. Like that you shouldn't have to have that, (laughs) like ready defensiveness, but, um, is there something you said through travel, through a couple of different things, have brought you to the point where you feel like you have that ability? What What are those things that make you say, "I can handle my like I I can handle myself. I can handle it on my own." I think being exposed to different cultures, different um, societies, uh, from such a young age, where women are treated like less, but um, but then being raised in a family where there is and there was never a question like of my capability of 
women around us, like in our lives, like their capabilities just because of their gender, you know? Um, women are, I think, probably the most, in my opinion, they're probably the most powerful people in the world because they're bringing, you know, they, they bring life. They bring, um, there is no one like a woman. Yeah. And so even that in and of itself, that solidarity of being a woman, um, that uniqueness is um, unrivaled, in my opinion. Um, and I was taught that from a really young age. But even in the midst of being in other cultures where women are looked at as inferior, but uh, even being in Jordan for recently, uh, I lived in the Middle East as a kid for three years in a more conservative culture and country uh, than Jordan. I lived in Qatar. And, um, but I, even as a, like, as a kid, I didn't really, it didn't re- register with me how women are, were treated there. Um, cause I was just kind of in middle school, like enjoying my life, my friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but being in Jordan, being in the back in the middle East as an adult, uh, and kind of being there by myself and having to navigate that culture alone, uh, as a white girl who was like 20, she, like it, it did kind of re, uh, like reshape my way, my my lens that I look at. Um, ha- uh, I guess, I guess that culture, you know, the mm-hmm. Arab culture. Um, and I had many talks with Jordanian girls there, and they. I don't know. I, we had I, this is. I don't know if this is off topic or not. But uh, I mean, there's definitely. I think people in the West look at Arab culture and they're often like, these women are oppressed. Like they can't drive. They have, they're forced to wear a hijab. Like they're, you know, all looked at as inferior to men and like not to take away from the, um, some, some truth in that. Like there is like, you know, not every woman chooses to do things like, like anywhere, not just in the Middle East, but, um, but I think it's not about oppression. Like I'm most of my, like, in fact, all of my Muslim friends, like, they want to wear a hijab. Like, they're, that's out of their own desire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, it comes from a deeper place of, like, not knowing their self-worth, maybe. Mm. Uh, women and the girls in that part of the world. Mm. Um, and, of course, this isn't to generalize, like, yeah. every woman and girl. But, like, it, in my, the way that I observed... And the conversations that I had in Jordan recently, like it made me kind of step back and and reexamine. Uh, maybe this is a, a deeper issue of like being maybe from a young age, like being told that your brother is m- more superior to you, or yeah. And again, going back to being a dad, like I think about right. my little girl, and I think about this this task that I have of instilling that kind of power and strength. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And instilling I, of cultivating, a, it's, it's there, right. not like I have to tell her that she, like she exactly. is, right? And one part of that is like teaching her like the power of saying no. Mm, yeah, it's huge. Like I know with some of the stories that are coming out now, you hear about women who maybe didn't say no to the man, but the man was in such a position of power over over her mm. 
that she felt like she couldn't say no. Right. Like that saying no was going to be more painful than going through. Well, and sorry, let me not speculate in that, but they, they didn't feel like they, that they held that power. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure Reese always knows she has that power. Like yeah. nobody has more power than her no. And that she should be vocal about it. And so somebody told me recently, like, they were like, that needs to start now. Right, right. Because, exactly, exactly. like, even as I play in, like, Rough House and, like, when she says stop mm-hmm. to honor that. And that's hard for me as a dad. Like, I want to, like, I, I want to power through it and, like, torment her and just yeah. the the wrestling that a dad does, right? But for her to know that I will respect her no. Yeah, man, that's the hardest thing. Like, I get it right sometimes, I get it wrong sometimes, and I, it's, but I'm conscious of it. Yes, that's really powerful. Yeah, Friday night, Friday night, I read something about that, and so we've decided, um, you know, one of the many things that we, one of the many conversations we had about parenting was like, um, we were just talking about this last night, how we're not gonna make Lily hug or kiss anyone. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, even when you like take. Your kids to see family. It's like give Auntie a kiss, or you know, and and for all of eternity, it's just been a normal thing. But um, that's so important that you don't take the no away from them. And so we, we've decided, like as a family, to like not even you know even with us at times. If you know, I was just telling my story about my Lily kisses last night. Like even if if it's with me, like if if. If her answer is no, we have to respect that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because again, that's huge. That is hard. Because then you are, from the time of birth, if you're carrying things like that, you are in a way systemically, like, like systematically instilling, uh, you know, in a in a small scale, yep. like that feeling of 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 being powerless with yeah. your decisions and with your words. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want my daughter to be hindered even 1% of any of her decisions and choices that she makes. Yeah, and it's weird because I, I mean, as a woman in this society, in American culture, like I, I can't imagine ever being told I was like less capable than a man just in this westernized culture and the way that I was brought up in my family. Like I would never could imagine being told that. And mm-hmm. I look at my friends like in Jordan and like, um, and I had a few, couple conversations with, a couple different girls about this and each of them like there was a trend that like when they were growing up they were told like that they weren't as important they weren't as valued they weren't as you know such and such as their brother or as their got like friend who's a boy living down the street you know and those things that's what I was saying is like those that's instills a sense of self value self-worth and that to me is more what we should be focusing on more than like the oppress the oppression um, that I don't even think really is that big of an issue. Like that's not what we should be focused on because not every, not a many, not a lot of girls that I know feel like they're being oppressed. It's it's more just. A you think that's more the symptom to right exactly a deeper yeah. issue or problem? Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this idea of silence equals consent mm. when it comes to physical sexual assault. Like, I don't want Reese to ever feel like she needs to be silent. Like, and those times where she's stunned, like, it'd be great if she, like, if that was her, like, if she, if she had that same value that you're 
that you're communicating Sarah. And that was so deeply ingrained in her that it's, it's right there. She's very vocal with whether she does consent, she doesn't consent, what, she's, what she likes, what she doesn't like, and that she takes that personal value and worth that there's this privilege that you have, at least in your experience, right, of that being communicated to you. And not everyone, birth. even in this culture, of course, not yeah. everyone has that. Yeah. So, yeah. Of just being able to tell her that's, that's one display of that value and mm-hmm. worth and power that she has inside of her. Man. So with everything that's like, it seems like every day there's, you know, someone else is in the news of someone resigning or being fired. Or, yeah. And, and I've, I've been in conversations where some of the energy has been, you know, almost annoyance. Like, geez, another, you know what I'm saying? Like people are actually, some people are actually annoyed by it now with, <laughs> with, with the rate of which, of which how many people are coming forward and what's the new allegation of the day. And then there's a other, you know, there's other groups of people who, um, you know, are, are, are continuing to encourage and fuel that and people need to speak out and it's, and it's importance and all that. And you're starting to see an emergence of, of, you know, people that are, you, you know, for whatever reason, even annoyed by the whole attention and energy behind it. Sarah, what's your, what's your hope for moving forward um, as, a, as a woman and with uh, so many women uh, being more vocal about, mm-hmm. about these issues? Um, what's your feeling for what's going on right the now? next stage of our, of our culture, of our country? Is it an optimistic one? Or is it, you know, is it one that you feel like not much change is going to happen? What do you feel? I, I think that we are at a very pivotal moment in our country, especially with the, uh, our current leadership and how that is, uh, you know, shifting things. And it's kind of, it just, it's ironic how our current it's more than ironic, it's, it's terrible, but it's, it's ironic how our current president is, you know, he's been accused for sexual harassment and he's, like, and he's our leader. He's the one who we are supposed to be looking up to um, in times like these. But I think with all the women coming forward, like, that's, that should give other women a sense of, a sense of hope, a sense of um, optimism, a sense of hope, like, yeah, I guess... Um, security in a, I mean, in a way that mm-hmm. there are other women who obviously have had these experiences, and I think that's great. But I mean, on one hand, I think like it does. The lines do get a little blurry because one woman can, you know, make an allegation against one man, and all of a sudden, like based on her accusation, like the whole world knows, and it's. Now, like, his career is in jeopardy. His career is over, perhaps, you know? And that's, that's not something that, like, was possible years, like, a few years ago. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's, like, there's no, where's the fair trial? Like, the jury is everyone in the world. Like, mm-hmm. And that's something that is hard to, obviously, people like Harvey Weinstein and, you know, Matt Lauer. And these, these people have, like, mo- many, many, many women coming forward. And those are different cases entirely. But, like someone who's just coming forward with their own personal experience, like that could be, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying it could be a, just a, 
maybe a skewed, you know, like experience. And yeah. Yeah, that's got like, I can't imagine what it would be like to be falsely accused. Right. Like the. And maybe not even falsely, but just like. Torment, like that would. Yeah. Like that would. I mean, being in, right, being in ministry, being in youth ministry, mm-hmm. it would destroy my, right, career immediately. But the trauma it puts a family through. Right. Um, so people, like, there's so much power in words, right, and how you use them. And um, when it comes to whether you're part of a situation as the victim part of the situation as the uh, abuser or the, the bystander too. Like, that's why when I think about how in some circumstances we use this phrase, silence equals consent as it comes to justice issues. And people want you to be vocal about the things that you, that you support and the things that you disagree with across so many different issues, right? And if you're silent, then you consent. That people kind of, I've, your voice isn't the only thing that carries power, but it does. It does. And it's horrible when people don't give consent and they don't, uh, uh, they, well, they do say no. And then they're still abused on top of that. There's so many circumstances where people strip another person of power even more, right? Um, But what I hear you saying, Sarah, is like there's, no matter what part you play in this, how you use your words and what you accuse and what you don't, like what you stay silent about, all of that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And so there's, yeah, something about, um, something about this movement with, women and men speaking about speaking up about their experience I think is putting power back in the hands of people who have felt powerless and that means a lot right now it does I think as we wrap up we should hmm, talking about words I think that anyone listening now and you two as well as me I'd like to uh, issue a challenge to all of us Let's today, and every day, but especially today, let's just make it a, a mission, our mission to use our words to build someone up and encourage someone today. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that um, I try to remember to do this every day in my own life, and uh, it's just a good reminder. So I'm going to choose today to use my words to encourage someone and build someone up. Even someone you may not know. Yeah, I like that. Thanks, Dante. Sarah, thanks for uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, Sarah. Thanks for having me. It's not easy stuff to talk about, but we appreciate you. We love you. I'm just glad you're in our lives. Love you guys. <laughs>